My name is Gabby Guzman, and I'm here to help women become who they are so they can be free. I'm a Dominicana, a mom, an energy worker, and a coach. I help women own their power and follow their dreams rooted in their own intuitive wisdom. In this podcast, we'll be telling real stories and sharing clear step-by-step guides so you can dive deep within yourself and know and trust yourself like never before. Welcome to Living Intuition. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Living Intuition. Oh my God, today is going to be so juicy. (laughs) Um, Welcome back. This podcast is a space to explore all the layers of choosing to live a life where we listen to and trust our intuition. And today I am over the moon excited to speak to one of my favorite brujas, the wise, the magical, the amazing Debbie Rodriguez. (laughs) So I have to say personally that Debbie was the first person that I ever met whose energy and presence was an invitation for me to go deeper with my own spirituality and with my own healing. And I am forever grateful, aside from being a beautiful friend who also holds incredible space. Debbie is a cognitive behavioral coach offering practical psycho-spiritual support to guide others back to wholeness. And we will be talking all about that. She does this by helping her clients identify what happens to their thought patterns and nervous system when they're processing and feeling emotions. Her work aims to demystify the human experience by empowering the mind, calming the body, and transforming the energy. I just felt each one of those. She does this through cognitive behavioral coaching, Reiki, energy work, Akashic readings, and hypnosis. Debbie asserts that what is divine is inherent in us. It's remembered, not learned. For this reason, her work revolves around empowering the relationship to self and cultivating a safe space within. Welcome, sister. Hi, I am so happy to be here. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no way that this round of interviews and second season could happen without Debbie Rodriguez. And so Debbie, we are kicking it off with a seemingly simple question um, that we're asking everyone that we're having these conversations with, which is what does your intuition feel like? Mm. Mm -hmm. My intuition feels like I am safe. So when my body feels at ease and there is presence and there is connection and there is a tingly aliveness, I know that's my intuition. The distinction being coming from fear and feeling anxiety and overwhelm and distress in the body, I know that's the opposite of what intuition feels like. And I find that Offering both allows for the distinction and for it to make a little bit more sense when I say I am safe because fear says I am not safe. So intuition to me feels like security. This is remarkable to me because I'm like, oh my God, you made it. (laughs) You got to the place where your truth is actually what is safe. Wow. When you put it like that, that is super juicy. Mm -hmm. Because it's really the acknowledging of the process it took to reclaim authenticity and truth and remove the layers of trauma that anchored authenticity intuition to 
rejection, disconnection, distress. Oof. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And let's talk about the beginning of that journey because kind of naturally in these conversations, we have like sort of spoken truth to our experience of intuition now and then been like, all right, well, but like, how was it before? Right. Uh-huh. And, and that like moment as children when it's pure and honest and real and there, and then it is lost. Yes. And then we reclaim it again. Yes. And so, yeah, what was that experience for you? So I already love that we're bringing in the childhood experience because that really does set the tone. So I'm Mm going to start with an example because I'm a visual person and I find it helps. Imagine me as a five-year-old little girl who is incredibly intuitive In fact, I've always been someone who not only senses energy, but sees it. And I came from a family environment that loved the crap out of me, but didn't understand it. So when I would show up in my intuition, a lot of what I would get is, no, 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 no. Reel it in. We don't talk about that. That's wrong. That's uncomfortable. Mostly because my parents didn't know how to have these conversations. So what I learned as a little girl was, Oh, my intuition creates disconnection and it creates conflict. And something to insert here is that when we as children experience disconnection from our parent or caregiver, our body actually goes into a state of distress and panic, which means that intuition for many, many years felt like distress and panic because that was what was conditioned or anchored to my intuition. So To put it frankly, intuition has felt profoundly unsafe in the body because what I learned was panic. So I'd connect to my intuition and my body would go into anxiety because, oh my God, I can't be honest about what I'm feeling or what I'm intuiting because person isn't going to get it. They're going to reject me. They're going to misunderstand me. They're going to disconnect from me. Yeah. So like it, people who are most important in your life, who care, care for you and make sure that you are safe, are yes. telling you that this is deeply wrong. Right. And so there goes the, I am not safe in my wholeness. So my strategy became, I must sacrifice myself for connection. Yes. So reclaiming my intuition meant a series of things. But at the base, it meant, doing it anyway, outing myself around my intuition, even though my butt was clenched and I was terrified. (laughs) And with time, gaining evidence that, wait a second, I was just intuitive and connection happened. Wait a second, I just downloaded on this person and it was safe and it was secure. So it it was a path of reclamation in the body, aka feeling safe in the body when I was expressing my truth. And it also meant collecting evidence for my very logical brain of, you see, queen, I can be witchy and it's safe now. We're not in our old story. We're in a new one and it feels good. So it was also the, I want to plug in curating a reality that could hold my wholeness because my relationships had to change so that they could show up for my truth without shunning it. So that it was a process. It was not a one and done. 
Yes, yes, yes. And, 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 oh my God, there's so much to like peel and like peel back and unpack here. But one thing that I like am curious about is, was it just, was it gradual? Because I met you as like magical brujita daddy who practiced Reiki and hypnosis and was already kind of diving into the depths of these wells. Um, but what was it that allowed you to start opening those doors for yourself after having been raised in an environment where you learned that that wasn't safe? Yeah. So I think it was, I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Yeah. And it was just so lonely and disconnected and there was nothing to lose at that point. Cause I really did reach a really dark moment where I was numbing out of myself. I was disassociating. I did not feel safe with me and that was taxing. And I think getting to the point of wait a second, wait a second. If I'm choosing to believe that the universe, that spirit is love, then it does not make logical sense that my life would feel like disconnection, judgment, and rejection. So what gets to be shifted, purged, emancipated so that I could experience love as something secure and safe? Mm -hmm. So really what started it was the faith in something that I didn't have evidence for. And a choosing to believe that my heart desires for connection and security were valid. And then going on a journey to find that, even though I had no idea where to find it. Yeah. And I think because my intuition has always been very loud part of me. I come from a lineage of brujas, of really intuitive women. So it was very intrinsic to me. And I started to see that there were spiritual communities that accepted it as opposed to shamed it. So I started to place myself in the spaces that called to me. Yeah. It started with joining a Facebook group of intuitive women. It, it's, it then became friendships with these women. It then looked like going to a Reiki circle. It then looked like learning how to practice Reiki myself. So curiosity is what began the process for me of emancipating and reclaiming my intuition. Yes. Yes. And I, and I feel like that is such an important point because people who might be listening might be at the very beginning of this journey and to trust the power of your intention and the power of your own journey. Because when you said the intention, like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to trust myself. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's on the other, on the other side of this door, but I am ready to trust myself that you can trust your experience. All of a sudden, there will be doors that will open. There will be things that will speak to you in a particular way that you can follow. Like you will find your spaces that would just kind of like start peeling away and showing you and teaching you what you get to learn first. And from there, your journey continues, right? Yes, girl. Yes. There was a couple of years ago, I went and did El Camino de Santiago, which is mm. a in Spain where it's considered a spiritual walk. And in that process, I ended up in a tiny little town on the top of a mountain and I went to church that night. 
And the priest was speaking about in life, there are on this path, the way that you know you're on the path is because there are yellow arrows carved onto rocks. But you got to make sure to pay attention to look for them or you will end up in a field, which happens to you. And yes. in this specific talk, what he said was, in life, you got to keep your eyes open for the yellow arrows. Love will always provide yellow arrows in your path. You just got to look for it. And the thing is, when we talk about the brain, so I'm a very practical, intuitive person. The way that the brain works is it's always trying to prove us right. So to your point, if we choose to believe that I can trust myself, our brain will look for evidence. It'll scan our experiences and relationships for evidence that it is true that we can trust ourselves. And that's when you start to get what I call God winks, which are the license plates that go, I love you, or the random text that says, hey, I know you're down, but I'm here for you, queen. All of these yellow arrows that are these subtle but loud affirmations of you are where you need to be when you need to be. And choosing to believe in those yellow arrows more so than in our trauma that tells us, no, it's not safe. You're making this up. Disconnection. Yes. It's true. We get to choose. Yes. And that ability to choose is there. Yeah. Is there. And I feel like for so like such a huge part of the spiritual journey is recognizing that you have that ability to choose. And am I more committed to these old stories that keep me small? Am I going to be fighting for my smallness or am I going to be willing to be wrong about that? Willing to be able to see things differently and willing to be open to the, uh, to maybe I can choose. And if there's a tiny possibility that that's possible, I want to go through that door and see what, what I can unlock. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh my God. And so I would love to like, I feel like it'd be helpful for people to understand. Cause I feel like your journey has been so beautiful and so rich. Like, so, all right. So we go back to you're finding your spaces, you're finding your community and then Reiki, like, how, like, what's the, what happened next? How did you continue to evolve into, like, I feel like not only recognizing how helpful and like sort of expanding this was for you, but in your own realization, like, oh, I want to do this work for others. So let me start by giving some background <laughs> that I am the daughter of a very conservative religious leader. Um, I was raised as a, a, a Baptist Christian. And let me stop there and say that for the remainder of this conversation, I am not coming from right or wronging any spiritual path. I think that it is all connecting us to source and we have different vocabulary for it. Some might call it God, others great spirit, others universe. Just like I be called Debbie, Deb, Deborah, Debizzle, and I know that they're referring to me. <laughs> so let me start by there because yeah. this isn't about wronging. And yeah. I also recognize that I came from a religious background that was based in fear and shame. Mm -hmm. So I also identify as someone who's very queer and fluid and also very witchy. So me being a five-pointed star born into a family of triangles which means they couldn't understand five-pointed stars, so they tried to shrink me into a smaller version of myself, not because they're jerks, 
but because they were trying to preserve connection with me and they didn't know how to connect with such a free, open, little weirdo. Mm-hmm. So for me, that it was really lonely. There, there, there were about three years there of such profound numbing that I wasn't sober. For three solid years of my life, it is a blur because there was so much shame attached to my authenticity and my spirituality and my sexuality. So the process of me getting to jump into the deep end and give myself connection and grace where I had only known disconnection and shame was a really taxing, unbearable, magnificent journey. Mm -hmm. And it really, moving into Reiki was first and foremost because I was looking for ways to support myself. How can I connect to the divine and love into me when I don't have community or relationships that can offer me that kind of intimacy? An intimacy I define as into me see. So I think Reiki for me was really the beginning of seeking intimacy in my relationship to spirituality and emancipating it from the fear and the trauma of my ancestors and cleaning it up so that I could feel a connection to life again. And as that began to become real for me, it organically became, I want to be that space for others. Um, Beginning to experience, it was like opening windows to dark rooms within myself, where once there was self-rejection, it became self-compassion. And I had to share that. I had to share that medicine. It felt like keeping medicine to myself when people were in need of it. So it was just a natural outflow. Um, And then sharing Reiki really did activate my intuition like nothing else. Because that's when I started to, oh my God, I'm seeing things. I'm downloading things. How the hell did I know that at seven years old, this woman had a polka dot blanket? Mm -hmm. So it's where suddenly the impossible was becoming possible. And my logical brain was gaining evidence that this was not something I could control, but it was definitely something that was real and alive and really healing. Yeah. So for me, beginning to share it with others was a lot of what ultimately made me feel secure in my intuition because it was validating. Otherwise, I would have been there going, I'm making up the pink polka dot blanket yes yes a hundred percent it's so it's so fascinating because I feel like Reiki did the same thing for me um there was a moment where I really started incorporating into my work with coaching and I would ground before every session and I would protect the energy of the space and I would set an intention for the space and all of a sudden I told the story before like I'm I'm coaching someone or I'm in the middle of a mastermind and I'm saying things to this person that I have no business telling them yes that I have no business knowing like how do I know this I'm trying to give her business advice and all of a sudden I'm telling her about this deep wound that I know she has and it's because her freaking Thea is yelling in my ear telling me to tell her things and I'm like okay But there was this profound, like really beautiful moment. I feel like when we understand and learn to work with energy, 
that we're able to ground in a way that we're able to be even more present and that those intuitive gifts are then like, hi, I've been here all along. (laughs) Hello. And not that like this necessarily happens in this format to everyone, but I do believe that everyone is intuitive. And it is certainly something that we can foster and cultivate within ourselves and trust, learn to trust within ourselves. So I was having a conversation with one of my close Bruja friends Mm -hmm. and I'm going to inject ego for a minute because I was totally an ego. And I was like, you know, people like us to really do the work, to (laughs) be a space for people to have this connection to the divine. And she interrupted me and she's like, girl, we all remember connection to the divine. Some of us just remember a little more than others. We Mm -hmm. just remember a little more. So take a seat. And, and it's true. It's back to what you said earlier. I genuinely believe that our connection to spirit is inherent. It's remembered. It is not learned. Think about it this way. If I were to tell you, Gabby, all right, queen, I want you to go take a water bottle and go to the ocean and fill it with ocean water and then bring it to our next call. You'd be like, okay, dale. And knowing you, you'd bring three. Okay. Yeah. Of different <laughs> colors. Like this is at the shore. This is on the deeper end. Look at the different colors. <laughs> If I told you, no, honey, they stopped being the ocean because you put them in a bottle, you'd be like, Esta loquita. you're crazy. It's the ocean just in a smaller container. Mm-hmm. I believe that we are the ocean in a smaller container. We are the divine in a smaller measure. So we are holy and we are sacred, full stop, period, end of sentence. Yes, 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 yes. And and one of the things, it's so, so funny that you brought up ego, because literally in my notes, the next thing says, let's talk about ego deaths. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this is perfect, because um, there is no like, enlightened souls, like we're all human. And one of the things that I think you do so beautifully, is bring us back to that inherently human experience. And how whatever we may have healed, whatever we may be moving through, whatever integrated wisdom we may have, we are still very much moving through a freaking human experience and we are in it and we are challenged by it and we struggle with it. Like there is no skipping that and there is no avoiding it. And I, I was thinking about what like we would talk about today. And I was thinking about Debbie and I have known each other for like six years. And my God, if you think about the two of us six years ago, right? Like there have been like many like seasons and stages and experiences and deaths and loss and grief like that we have both experienced in our lives and then been there for each other through it um and I'm really curious on your take on these the pieces of us that have to die in order (laughs) for us to step into who we need to be and and the the resistance of that and then the final surrender of that like let's let's talk about ego dads girl let's do it so let me start by saying yes (laughs) i apologize because i feel like i just popped everyone's eardrums um this is totally a conversation that is worth having because you are absolutely right whatever you believe we chose to be human and here's the spoiler alert until we die, <laughs> human, 
And part of the human experience is feeling the full gamut of emotion. And so there's this myth that you will reach a level of enlightenment or you will reach a career goal or you will reach a partnership level where suddenly you stop feeling the uncomfortable emotions like fear, guilt, shame, sadness, anger. And I'm here to call bullshit. We don't transcend our emotions. It is our work to befriend them, to learn how to be human because we are born into a society that, I'll put it this way, people can only meet us as deeply as they have met themselves. So if our family didn't meet themselves in authenticity, truth, and sadness, they could not meet us in authenticity, truth, and sadness. So we attach disconnection, panic to these experiences. So that when you ask me about ego death, ego death, ego is the strategies that we created to keep ourselves safe. So ego is actually a beautiful attempt at self-preservation. And survival. Yeah. So ego is actually trying to love us with the tools that we learned growing up. So it's not about right or wronging our ego. It's about going, is this effective or ineffective for where I'm at in my soul journey? And I would assert that if it's making you feel ashamed or anxious or overwhelmed, then it is ineffective. So the ego deaths are shedding the versions of me that I needed to survive. For example, six years ago in partnership, I believed that my needs and my emotions created conflict. Mm -hmm. So what did that version of me create? Censorship. I bottle up what I'm feeling. I sacrifice myself for connection and I don't make requests. That was the version of me that I learned because it kept me safe growing up. Because if I made a request from my parents, it would overwhelm them and distress me. But I got to a point where I was like, ill. Then partnership doesn't feel good. It feels like a golden prison. So I get to shed the part of me that believes that sacrifice is what it takes to create connection. And this isn't cute. This isn't me suddenly going, oh, wow, this partnership doesn't serve me. Let me just move out of it. No, it's not coming out of your nose because you're feeling the pain and the disconnection that you couldn't feel growing up. So let me pause there and break down what that means. Trauma is defined as anything that overwhelms the nervous system. If we felt rejected or judged when we were intuitive or authentic, then there is trauma linked to our intuition and our authenticity. And it is stored in the body. If it overwhelms our body and we're little, here's what we do. Oh my God, I don't know how to feel this. This is too much. I need to survive. So I'm going to freeze this because I can't process this, this rejection, this overwhelm. I'm going to freeze it. And later on in life, I'll process it. But right now I just got to survive. So ego deaths are a trigger making us aware of where we're holding an old imprint of I am not safe in our body and being willing to feel that discomfort and feel the pain of having been rejected for our wholeness. Having a homecoming to our heart is bitter sweet. It means that we get to feel the disconnection that we have all suffered and then offering ourselves compassion and grace and kindness 
in place of rejection and judgment. So the way that I've been able to do ego death is to frame it as a snake shedding its skin. If you've actually seen a snake shedding its skin, it doesn't sit there and meditate its way out of its skin. It pushes against rocks to help it peel off the old identity. We're banging into things and it hurts. It's not comfortable, but it's your commitment to back to intention. I deserve to feel free in my wholeness. I desire a life where I can feel secure in my authenticity. I desire relationships that can offer connection and safe space in my allness, including my messy. Yeah. But it starts with our relationship with us. So by that, I mean, if you're feeling the big emotions because you're willing to show up to do the work, get curious and amused as to what's coming up instead of getting judgmental with yourself. Hey, I'm feeling sadness. I'm going to be a yes to that. Hey, I'm feeling anger. I'm going to be a yes to that. And getting curious about what's coming up and going, hey, I know you're feeling these big feels and I'm here. You're safe. I've got you. Yeah. So it really is we're reprogramming ourselves. We get to replace those pockets of trauma with new energy. And I invite connection where there was disconnection and gentleness where there was harshness. Am I making sense? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and as you're, as you're speaking, Debbie, I'm thinking about a recent friendship loss that I had. And it was, it was kind of wild because it came right after a weekend of deep ceremony with myself, where I was asking the universe to remove obstacles and open roads. And this friendship fell off suddenly and swiftly and almost nonsensically. And there was a moment as I was carrying the pain of that loss, there was a moment of like, all right, Gabby, let's look in the mirror. Mm. What was the dynamic in that friendship? Oh, that person held all all the cards. They decided when we got together, they decided when we spoke, they decided what tone the conversations had. They decided how how deep we went. They decided to bail five minutes before. They decided that they were too busy. And I accommodated. I was like, where did that happen before? Oh, my entire decade in my 30s of dating. (laughs) Every single man that I dated, pretty much, for the most part. They decided how deep we went. They decided what pace we were going at. And I molded and accommodated. Oh, where did this all come from? Shit, when I was six years old, my parents had just enrolled me in the school where everybody had so much money. And I remember handing my birthday card to this girl who ripped it in front of my face because it wasn't at the country club. Wow. Six years old, Debbie. And the wound and the freezing of that wound and the realizing like, oh shit, I go here now. (laughs) Oh shit, these are the people that surround me. And the way schools work in DR, I'm going to be here until I'm 18. I better mold into who these people need me to be or mold into some shape that allows me to survive this environment unscathed for the most part. So this thing that happened with this friend a few weeks ago went back to that bullshit. And the freedom, Debbie, the freedom of liberating myself out of that pattern finally, because guess what? 
the thing that was really beautiful and it started to crack it is that after that decade long, decade long of dating, I met someone who honestly adores who I really am fully and completely. And so I grabbed that pattern and then just moved it to a couple girlfriends so that I could still have a place in my life where I felt small, where I felt like I needed to mold in order. Like I kept my smallness in doses, but I kept it in my life until recently. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> and back to why it's a process. I'm like, yes, because girl, I have been doing the work for over a decade and January 1st ended a partnership that mm -hmm. was totally based on an older version of myself that yeah. thought, you see, my vulnerability is too much. You see, my requests create conflict and rejection. You see, you're too big. And it was recognizing that that version of me was coming up, recognizing that the partnership was reinforcing my trauma and my old story. And it was exactly kind of like what you explained. And then from literally one moment to the next, I remember I was in an argument with partner and I'm in bed pulling cards, doing ceremony, like, all right, spirit, I'm confused. I don't know what to stay in the relationship and make it work and like take myself on, or this is a relationship to just cut and release. I'm not sure. So help a sister out. And that night partner showed up and she's like, I don't think that we're in compatible spaces. Wow. And so it was a moment of, I got my immediate response because I made requests and then allowed, chose to believe that my old trauma story of I am not worth showing up for wasn't true, but actually instead seeing it as this person's actually loving me by letting me go. Mm -hmm. Spirit is loving me by answering the question immediately. So I'm going to choose a new narrative that reinforces that I am safe and secure. That is what I choose because as adults, we are not victims or perpetrators. We are simply adults with choice. And so for me, it's been a, a, a process of consistently and hyper-vigilantly choosing self-advocacy in place of self-betrayal over and over and over again. And let me tell you, Transformation is not always about feeling better. It oh, is hell no. <laughs> at feeling. So yes. being able to feel without. Oh, wait, feeling. say that again. Transformation isn't always about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. Yes. Which is back to the we don't transcend our emotions, girl. Like three days ago, I was ugly crying in bed. Mm -hmm. Even though I know that I am whole, I am loved, I am safe. We are going to be 92 and our wounds will still be our wounds. Yes. Those don't go away, but they no longer run the show. And then we go, oh, look, my wounding is coming up. What is it communicating to me? Oh, this person doesn't feel safe. Got you, girl. And then we keep it moving. So the breakdown is no longer three months or three days. It becomes three hours, then three minutes. Yes, yes, yes. And everyone listening, I'm sure you have 
some realm of your life where you had this experience where it used to take you longer to move through something. And now like you've been through enough cycles of this that you're like, oh, okay. Um, I've been here before. Yeah. I know it feels like I'm going to die, but I've survived it before and I'm going to be okay. And then you just kind of like, okay, let's move it along universe. We're good. <laughs> um, let's move through it. And, and even in the context of this conversation, I think we're, be- we're moving really beautifully into wholeness which is something that you speak of um, often and with, with so much depth and insight. And for me, I definitely know that understanding shadow work was one of the most, to me, like revolutionary concepts of my own healing, my own integration, this idea that I didn't have to fear the parts of me that I sometimes feel shame about. And that even like, as we just did, like we just spoke vulnerably And sometimes even with a little crack in my throat about these experiences that might still be painful. Yes. Right. These experiences that still bring like, it just tugs at your heart and there's a sense of grief and a sense of loss, but former me would have hidden that story Mm. and would have said like, no, no, no. Like I, I, I'm to blame for that. And I still feel guilty about that. And I can't speak those words out loud. I can't claim them as my own when they're very much my own experience. And that I can sit here and speak about having this pattern in my life. And I don't lose credibility. I don't lose love. I don't lose connection to the contrary. It grows and expands and deepens and droves in my life. And so that idea that I could relate to all of me and love all of me and integrate all of me and have a united will um, was like mind-blowing but the idea of the goal not being happiness or fulfillment quote-unquote but being wholeness let's talk about wholeness ah I love wholeness and thank you for for everything that you just shared because it's also where we are, this right here is giving our brain evidence that we are safe and secure in our vulnerability. So when it comes to wholeness, let's break it down, okay? I'm a little girl who's tantruming. When kids tantrum, they're not tantruming to, to be little jerks. They're tantruming because I'm feeling so much. I don't know how to feel this. Please help me. We are not born knowing how to feel. But what we said earlier, We cannot meet people where we have not met ourselves. So in the example you just gave, what I make up is that somewhere along the way, what you experienced was when I am sad, I am made wrong. So no, bad girl, don't be sad. Okay, crap. What I learned was it creates conflict. Now now what's collapsed onto my sadness is guilt. No one taught me how to feel sadness. So now I'm an adult and sadness is in shadow. I don't know how to feel it. And, and some of the emotions that we typically put in shadow are sadness, the grief, the anger, disappointment, frustration, the messy, the uncomfortable. And so because no one taught us how to feel it, here's what I want everyone to understand. Emotions have two antennas. They have a brain response and a physical response. In this example, when you feel sadness, body goes into anxiety of some kind that feels like guilt, like overwhelm, like distress. And then brain goes into old story of, oh my God, I can't claim this as my own. You see your sadness created disconnection. What are they going to think? I shouldn't talk about it. They're going to judge me. It's going to be seen as weak. 
it's your brain looking for evidence of disconnection. So when we talk about wholeness, it's about recognizing with curiosity, not judgment, what happens to my brain and body when I'm feeling these shadow emotions. Am I going into distress? Am I going into fear? Am I going into judgment? And rather than reject myself for it, recognize that I learned it somewhere along the way. And so I invite you guys to start picturing wholeness looking like our little wounded little kid self that's showing up going, I'm scared and I don't know how to feel this. Wholeness looks like turning towards yourself instead of away from yourself. And that looks like going, hey, I know you're feeling sadness. And in the past, sadness was linked to guilt and disconnection. So I get why you are scared and distressed now. But in 2022, I've got you and we're safe. And it also looks like learning how to calm your body because your body is going into I am not safe. So showing up for our wholeness, reclaiming our wholeness means doing the work to retrain our brain. It's like a computer with programming. It's gonna run the programming we learned. So we feel an emotion and it runs, oh, we're feeling sadness, run the program, not safe, shut it down, rejection happens. Autopilot. Right, and let me validate that because for decades we've been putting evidence into that bucket. And now all of a sudden we have this little cute teacup where we're beginning to put evidence of being safe in our wholeness, in my sadness, in my anger, in my vulnerability. And with enough reinforcement, it becomes our new natural, but it gets to happen on a physical level and on a mental level. And I'm bringing this into the conversation, Gabby, because I'm a practical witch. And I think that there's a movement going on about I just get to meditate my way into mm. wholeness. And it is about tending to our human, tending to our heart, tending to our body, tending to our mind, so that we can get to the point of not only regulating ourselves so I'm safe in all of these emotions that no one ever taught me how to feel, not only on a mental level, but a physical level. And that's yeah. where we get to this point, Gabby, where we're talking about really vulnerable things like breakups platonic ones and romantic ones without our body going into distress. And we might notice that our butt clenches like, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable. <laughs> but we're able to do it. Whereas in the past, we would have gone into freeze. I can't talk about it. Oh my God, no, life is good. <laughs> life is good. So I really want to honor the process that this is and that you don't reach a level of enlightenment. You do sometimes. But it's also transitory. I've had moments of enlightenment where I'm like, it's oh, not even the point. It's like, no, it's 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 the allness of it all. Yes, 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 yes. And I I just so love what you've been speaking into because I just feel like when like this idea of owning and making peace with all of us. I feel like I spent so much of my life hiding parts of who I really was because I was so terrified that I would be rejected yeah. if anybody really saw the real me. Yeah. And that idea of starting to collect evidence, starting to collect evidence, started to collect evidence to the contrary, to the point where like I could not have had the breakthrough that I just had around friendship and around the way I related to relationships a year ago or even six months ago. 
Yep. I was ready today. I was yeah. ready when it happened. Yeah. And there was also like one of the really beautiful things that I feel is like a muscle that you develop and strengthen as you dive into this work wholeheartedly is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because as you learn that, oh, wait, it's safe for me to not have to shame or judge these pieces of me. It's safe for me to bring this thing that I've been hiding my whole life. Oh, wait, I'm going to call myself Bruja in front of other people. Okay, yeah, all right. We're going to put this on the table and we're going to sit with it and we're going to talk about this thing that you've been hiding your whole life. Hi, right? And so like in being in that experience and in being in that, it has allowed me to bring curiosity to the things I was terrified of so that I could get to a place where the moment that this pattern, like I recognize this pattern in 10 minutes of journaling. I am 41 years old. Okay. This started when I was six. I recognized it in 10 minutes of journaling because I've been doing the fucking work. I've been doing the fucking work. And in the moment I got it, I was like, holy shit, look at that. Mm-hmm. Like I was just, my hands are on my hips and I'm like, girl, look what you've been doing. <laughs> oh my God. Like from this total place of like hot damn curiosity, yep. there was no part of me that was judging me because I had just set myself free. Yeah. I was so excited about how I have had just self-liberated from a pattern that I had been in for 34 years. Yes, girl. That I was like, there was no room for me to judge myself. Yes. Only room for celebration. and <gasps> Yes. Exactly. Because yes. what you are getting is that regardless of the strategy, We have only ever been showing up to advocate for ourselves with the tools and awareness we had at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not a life of self-rejection and self-betrayal. We could choose to look at it that way, or we could choose to look at it as I was the six-year-old whose card got ripped in front of a group. And that was heartbreaking. And I didn't know how to feel that. So I tucked it away and I learned a brilliant strategy to take care of myself, which looked like censorship. Mm -hmm. And then I used it until I outgrew it. And then I learned a new strategy. So this devotion to taking care of ourselves. So curiosity and amusement in place of judgment and rejection, understanding that the automatic is going to be judgment and rejection at first. Because what we internalized and what we learned was judgment and rejection around our wholeness, authenticity, and intuition. So giving yourself compassion, compassion, understanding, understanding, instead of identifying with I'm bad, I'm wrong, going, why do I do that? Why do I get defensive? Oh, it's because when I was six, I learned this. Yes, yes. And yes. then and into us, man. And I cannot overstate the importance of having a few sisters yes. that get this, yeah. that are in it with you, where you will hold space for them and they will hold space for you. Because the moment this became clear, I was on my voice notes being like, girl, <laughs> you yes. will not believe this shit. Yes. Right? And, and being able to be seen in that and held in that is just, it is, it is part of this experience. Like you cannot go through this without vulnerability and connection. Yeah. 
And it starts yes. with self-regulating. I am safe with me. Our relationship to ourselves sets the tone for all other relationships. But if now I'm facing myself with compassion when I'm sad, I can now attract relationships that will remain connected with me when I'm sad. If I'm not self-abandoning, then I attract relationships that won't abandon me. So it is your relationship to yourself is the context and it is what generates the content. If the content you want in your life is palm trees, you can't be Antarctica. If you want secure relationship, which is defined as consistently feeling seen, safe, and soothed, girl, you better show up seeing yourself, soothing yourself consistently. So that's also a process because we start by feeling safe with us and then we're able to show up to relationship that reinforces that we are safe. So self-regulating and co-regulating. And sometimes that means, to your point, pruning and releasing old friendships that are based on old versions of ourselves that are toxic and limited to make space for relationships that are secure. And I will be the first to say that I have had moments where I felt like I overpruned my life. And because I shed old versions of myself, I was looking around and seeing very few healthy connections. But because life isn't happening to us, it's happening from us. Ultimately, the secure relationships began to show that could meet me at my level of availability. So it's also the cycling out of old containers and old friendships and old relationships. Sometimes growth looks like loss because when we shed the aspects of ourselves, the old versions of ourselves, the relationships that connected to those old versions fall away. But that's where we get to go. I'm going to choose that this means that I'm supported by life and I'm moving into healthy relationship rather than spiraling into old evidence you see no one sticks around and I'm alone. So ojo, being very hypervigilant to the stories we're telling ourselves throughout our healing journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like really recognizing when, because I feel like it's so interesting. It's something that I've been like reflecting on recently because I feel like 10 years ago, I would have told you, like, I keep my friendships around. Like, I'm not those problematic people that, like, have people in their lives and then they're not in their lives. Like, my friends are my friends, right? And then I go through, like, a decade of, like, exponential growth. <laughs> and, and people fall away in this way that isn't necessarily tragic. It just is. It, and there's, like, been this beautiful release of, wow, like, we were able to be in each other's lives for a moment and we made each other's lives better in some ways. And that work is now done. Mm -hmm. That work is now complete without yeah. having to yeah. set any additional pressures or expectations to relationships that don't or forcing things that don't want to continue to be alive. So we can set them free. We can set each other free and we will be walking the earth because that person made an impact in our lives and we made an impact in theirs. And, Good luck to them. You are a sovereign being. See you later. Yes, totally. And I want to like, just like asterisk this for those mm -hmm. listening. Exposing your vulnerability gets to happen in relationships that have earned the right to see you. Yes. If you're in friendship, so your example, and I did the same thing. When I found out partner moved on and now has other partner, even though I knew, hey, look, this was still the choice that honored my soul. And it I was too big for that container. You bet your ass 
So the first thing I did was text my three core girlfriends and go, hey, I'm hurting. Words of affirmation are requested. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. And then them offering me connection, affirmation, validation, encouragement, connection. When I am sad, thereby giving me evidence that my sadness is not too much. One of them brought me coffee in the morning. The other one drove by and took a walk with me. I am shown up for, but I expose myself to the relationships that could show up for me because I know that they are secure. So, ojo, be, pay attention because if you're showing up vulnerable and friendships are reinforcing that you're not secure, those aren't the relationships that you lean on when you're feeling the feels. So, I just wanted I, to like, sprinkle yeah. in there. Uh, that's beautiful and that's really important. I feel like one way that I learned to to make that distinction because it wasn't always clear to me and and I and my ego would still kind of shield me from seeing when some relationships were like that because other things were drawing me to that person but like at the end of the day just asking yourself like when I'm in relationship with that person do I feel small mm. and that to me was like an immediate test I knew immediately yes or no mm -hmm. Who are the people that are like loving all of you, encouraging all of you, ready for all of you yes. and can hold your wholeness? Yes. And that you can do that for them. And then those are the relationships that you want to be with. Girl, we need a part two. <laughs> no, girl, we just got started. We just got started. But I am sure and certain that there are many people listening to this who are going to be like, oh, where do I get more of this magical being? And how can we work together? And how can I get all up in this? So please share with us all the ways that people can work with you and connect with you. Okay. So the best, best way is going to be through Instagram, Debbie Magic underscore that's the jam because i've got weekly videos that are all about how to process emotions how to calm them how to regulate the body how to step into spirituality that feels secure so already you're going to be getting weekly doses of medicine to your instagram so that's the way if you want me that's where you're going to get the most of me i also have my website debbiemagic.com And here's what I'm really, 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 really excited about because I am launching in April a one-year membership that is going to walk people weekly lessons right to your inbox of we're focusing first on emotions, what happens in the brain, what happens in the body, understanding what emotions are trying to communicate to us so that you can befriend it and integrate your shadow. It's about learning how to manage and regulate, calm your body when you're feeling the big feels so that you feel secure. Then it's about identifying your needs and boundaries and how to relay that healthily into our relationships. So it's mind, body, spirit meets community intimacy and real practical ways to be able to apply this into your day-to-day -day so that you can actually shift out of trigger reactive living into conscious healthy living that's what it's at and i am so excited because it's really good so okay. if you're interested in that debbie magic underscore so it's on the it's on the instagram yes on details the for the membership and all the details are there beautiful oh my god sister I love you. 
I love you too. This was so delicious. This was so juicy. Like, let me just honor you because if you're listening to this, then I know without a doubt that you are turning yourself inside out like a sock so that you can have the life and the intuition that you desire. And I honor the crap out of you for that because of your devotion to show up for you and sit with what your ancestors couldn't and be the interruption of an old cycle and the reclamation of your truth and your authenticity. And honey, that is the medicine. That is the jam. And I really acknowledge you for showing up to what can often feel unbearable to show up to. So that's worth acknowledging. Oh, and so it is. Yes, 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 yes. So much acknowledgement for this journey and for being in it in community. And I'm grateful to be in community with you, my sister. Oh, yes. I love you so much. Love you. Thank you for being in this time with us, Debbie. Mm, my honor, my pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. To learn more about my coaching, group programs, and experiences, visit www.gabbyguzman.com.